You're listening to a Toe Network production, putting heroes on trial because someone has to. And I am Amit, and you were listening to Moon Speak. I'm a magical girl rookie, and Sono is a vet, so prepare yourself to be enchanted as we delve deep into each act of Sailor Moon Crystal. Remember, you can catch Sailor Moon Crystal every first and third Saturday on your streaming service of choice, be it Crunchyroll, Hulu, or any other number. So, Sona, you have uh, the notes first, so why don't you go ahead and start us off digging into the uh, meat and veggies of this episode, which is back to uh, Ami, Sailor, Mercury. I'd like to start uh, talking about the animation for this episode, uh, since we had brought, I had brought up back in episode one how I felt they were kind of not pulling facial expressions far enough, or that some motions felt a little wooden. I feel like this time around in episode two, it's really kind of the opposite. They've really given everyone a lot more uh, freedom of motion and done a lot more with facial expressions. Everyone has some really great faces. They even brought back a couple of the 90s shortcut expressions in places, which I thought was kind of nice because you really can get a good feel uh, from those, from kind of the iconicness of them. But they also cut a lot of corners and there are a lot of scenes where the animation gets really, really sloppy, um, specifically when Usagi and Luna meet Ami for the first time. Uh, feature, facial features kind of started drifting, and it was even worse in the scene at Crown Arcade, uh, where it was really, really noticeable, especially towards the end where Usagi and Luna have, or er, Usagi and Ami, pardon me, have their little discussion before Ami goes off to uh, the Crystal Seminar. Ami's face in that scene, it's really noticeable just that they weren't trying quite as hard there. Yeah, and I thought a similar uh, shortcut that was done was when everybody was talking about Ami towards the beginning of the episode, and it just showed her like by the shoe locker, and it it was almost like a still image, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm more okay with that than with them using kind of still frames than with just really poorly drawn frames that last for an extended period of time. Yeah, and I I can be kind of forgiving of those things as I figure they're probably saving up that animation budget for later on, but um, as the show goes on, I imagine the action scenes will become more extensive, and I hope that we don't see the quality of the rest of the show suffering for that yeah i'm it does kind of worry me because you can really see that in kind of these downtime scenes they're like okay we're not going to use as much of our budget here we can kind of slack off a little and i feel it really hurt those scenes because those scenes were really important to ami as a character um well i have extensive things to say about those later, so I'm not going to go into that quite as much now. 
Um, I okay. also mentioned last time about kind of forwarding the technology up to uh, current standards and what that might do to the show. And I think we got a good look at that in this episode uh, with the crystal disc and how that was used. Because uh, in the original anime, it was a three-and-a-half-inch floppy disk that they that Luna and Usagi uh examined on a school computer after hours. Where in Crystal it was a CD ROM that they used on Usagi's personal laptop and the scenes it doesn't change the content of the scene. Uh the scenes played out a little differently, but not because of that even slightly. Yeah, that's good to know. And I, I thought it was funny as soon as I saw that I thought, oh well there goes that point that we made. She has a laptop. <laughs> a um a new soggy laptop, apparently. Yeah. I didn't know she had her own brand. <laughs> it it may just be a sticker that she put on there. I mean, I've put stickers on my laptops. But it is it is really interesting to see, like, that advancement. How we, today, we wouldn't think anything of her having her own laptop that she can just pop this CD into and check out. Where, back in the mid-90s, that it wouldn't wasn't common at all for a 14-year-old to have their own laptop, and she had to go use a school computer. Yeah, I had even wondered if perhaps um, maybe it was the family computer that she was using in the original, but it makes sense that it's in the school because they have those kinds of resources. Yeah. All right, so uh, Jedite and uh, Queen Beryl um, serve a more powerful master, which you mentioned in the last episode, but it's, you know, it's here in the episode, so that was cool. Um, no doubt the entity glimpse in the opening credits. Um, we got a lot of tidbits dropped, like that there are four kings of darkness, I believe that's the correct phrase, and that the master, whoever that is, needs the legendary silver crystal, and it seems like energy from it specifically. Yeah, um, Jada directly serves Beryl, who serves their great ruler, I think is the term they keep using, uh, and I think she kind of is acting as a mouthpiece uh, for the Great Ruler, who is, I believe, sealed, uh, yeah, I believe they're, they've been sealed and need uh, the power from the Silver Crystal to kind of break out of that. The Silver Crystal is really uh, kind of the center of this first storyline in Sailor Moon. Uh, it's a really big thing. Uh, do you know how much, because I kind of forgot to look into it, um, is this 26 episodes going to cover just the first arc, or is it going to go beyond that? Uh, I believe this first 26 episodes is specifically covering uh, the arc with Beryl and the Dark Kingdom. and then I Okay, but then there's a lot the of stuff after that? It, yeah, based on the response to that, then I think if there's enough uh, viewing from like the the official streaming sites, the sites where it's officially uh, given permission to stream, then they'll go on and do a later story arc, uh, which is, again, if you're watching these, please watch it through, like, Hulu or Crunchyroll, especially since you're, you're being given the opportunity to do it free, and that's what's going to determine if we get more. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I know it's available not through those means, but it's best to do that because if you show a good response to the show, then that means we can get more. And if you're liking it, then isn't that what you want? Yeah, and like, especially if you're an old fan of the series, 
you know what's coming later, and I'm sure that you want to see some of the characters that are not in this first storyline kind of get their time. So, if if you are really into Crystal, please check it out through through the official screens. Okay, so uh, last week you mentioned that the villains of the, the Monsters of the Week were going to get more... Um, personal, I guess you could say, and uh, I don't know, I see what you're saying with this, and I'll be interested to see them get even more personal, because I think that it could have been a little better executed, her manipulating all these students, and specific, specifically Ami's uh, desire to be better students, and her dream to be a doctor like her mother, um, to have her, uh, you know, to absorb power from them and, and help find the legendary silver crystal. I actually feel that the way the way Crystal handled this is actually very different uh, from the previous uh, anime and manga incarnations. Um, but I really feel like this plan and what was going on in this episode is something that's really easy to relate to. Uh, the pressures just of being in school and studying and how hard that can be. And I mean, I know, I know this personally. I've always been pretty smart, but I was, I was kind of an Usagi level student because I just hated studying. I hated using all that time when I could have used that time for something I enjoyed. And Ami wants to be a doctor. Her studies are very, very important to her. So she's kind of already putting all of this pressure on herself. And I know, in Japan specifically, studying and getting good grades and getting into a top university is a pressure that all students go through. Uh, in the original uh, episode of this, in the first anime, uh, Jadide and Beryl have this really extended conversation about parents being really hard on their children and pushing them kind of to the point of being a little cruel about it from preschool all the way up through high school so that they get into the best colleges. And then at the end of the conversation, Beryl's like, well, what do they do after they get into a top college? Jada just says, he doesn't know. Like, that's just the end goal. And I think that puts a really specific emphasis on the fact that sometimes, depending on what you want to go into, some of these grades and pressures don't really matter in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, I I think it's too bad that that was dropped from this uh iteration, because that sounds like a really interesting, powerful message. Although maybe, um, I believe this message is also attributed to that um, Battle Royale movie that was made. Um, it was a live-action film where students have to like basically compete to stay alive. Um, so it's taking that concept and turning it up to, you know, the umpteenth degree. Um, I wonder if maybe... That's something that's not really popular to talk about anymore in Japanese culture, and I just don't pay, I haven't paid enough attention to, I guess, the zeitgeist over there to know what, if that's still something that's top of mind or not. Um, Would you know? I, I'm not sure if that, uh, if Battle Royale specifically is, but I mean, that sort of idea keeps coming up in media. I mean, um, re, look at Kamen Rider Ryuki even though that was a handful of years ago, but that and that formula does keep kind of getting used, so I don't think it's really outdated there. But I think this may have been uh, Naoko trying to 
maybe make a specific commentary on the fact that students are pushed a little too hard uh, in schools and that it's important to give them time to be people and have lives outside of studying. Yeah, and um, one of the things I uh, liked about this a lot was the relationship forming between uh, Ami and Usagi and how being having a friend reach out to her or having someone reach out to her and be her friend, you know, afforded her the opportunity to go to the arcade. And I, I guess even but greater than that, it kind of pulled her out of the spell that was on her when she was at Crystal Seminar with the monster. Yeah, um, that was a really big thing in this episode, that Ami fell under that brainwashing, that Ami got so deep into that studying that Usagi offers for Ami to go out to ice cream with her and her other friends. And we see Ami accept it, and then that brainwashing kicks back in, no, I have to study, I have to go to Crystal Seminar, and she turns it down and just leaves. And uh, in the original uh, anime and manga, Ami didn't fall under the brainwashing because she wasn't using the disc. So, uh, whereas in Crystal, she uses the disc and she falls under the brainwashing, and it's kind of the power of that friendship that brings her back out of it. And I, I think maybe the barrel jadeite conversation being dropped is made up for then by her reaction uh, you know you mentioned the animation on, on the faces and reactions i thought she had an extremely strong emotional reaction to that memory of you need to study harder she looked devastated and distraught and uh super anxious and uh, her response was immediately to break the plans and say, no, I have to go study. So I think that was a, a strong yeah, point. That, I mean, that was really a scene where they utilized the faces great. Um, Ami's facial expressions throughout the vast majority of the episode were very beautiful, and you could really kind of see Ami's feelings playing out on her face. The Sailor Guardians have different roles, power sets, and skills, which should make the team aspect all the more interesting. And I just... Um, I really wasn't expecting that. I'm not sure why, but it kind of took me by surprise, and I'm pretty pleased uh, because one of the things I dislike about uh, team shows, you know, be it Sentai or whatever where there's a team, is when members are superfluous and, you know, red and black or green or, or blue, I guess, are, you know, always the tops and uh, maybe yellow too, but it really seems like each of them is going to have their own role in I'm really going to enjoy that. Yeah, uh, the differences between the girls are all really important, uh, both in and out of battle, but especially the way that their power sets are utilized. Uh, kind of sticking with our focus for this episode, I want, I'll use Ami as an example. She's very clearly a defensive fighter. She's all about tactics, uh, smoke screens, distracting the enemy. Ami's very clearly not physically strong. She's not a physical fighter. Uh, who works in close combat. Uh, but she can really turn the battlefield to her advantage and to the advantage of her team with her skills and with planning. She does get offensive attacks, but she's really best working towards the back of the team 
and sort of playing the field, whereas opposed to someone like Sailor Jupiter, who you'll see once she gets here, is really the team powerhouse. Seeing just a glimpse of Mercury's power definitely has me excited for her next appearance. And, you know, to hear you say that she does more, uh, like, strategy and smoke screens and things like that, I, I think that alone is interesting. Kind of, um, like, I don't think it'll go here necessarily, but kind of like a, you know, ninja with their tricks. Uh, the, the kind of interesting ways you can see them fighting, I'll look forward to seeing that. Yeah, I was really pleased uh, with this episode. Like I mentioned, of our core five, Ami is my favorite. And this episode really did right by her in a lot of ways that I felt the first anime didn't. Crystal puts a lot of focus on Ami's loneliness, and they really go out of her way, out of their way to show how hurt Ami is by it, and by the way uh, people kind of avoid her and look at her. A lot of the opening conversation that happens very literally behind Ami's back with these two uh, faceless guys is had by Usagi and her friends in the first anime, and we don't even see see Ami until towards the end of it. And we just kind of see her looking annoyed, where here we've already seen her being kind of depressed about it, and I think that lends a lot more uh, towards the insight of her character. It gives us a lot more to go on. Another good thing or strong point um, is that the pacing really feels right. Uh, it felt to me like the gap between episodes happened in real time. Uh, Usagi isn't instantly ready to fight. She still cries and has to be coached a little to embrace her heroic role, but her growth from last time is evident. Uh, similarly, Ami isn't as fully active as I'm sure she will be in the future. Yeah, so. they really did handle this very well. Uh, with our first go-around with, with the old anime, we had Usagi on her own for a full seven episodes. Uh, before we brought Ami in to join her, and that gave them a lot of time to really show this and build it up in front of us. But because we're limited to 26 episodes here, and we're jumping straight to Ami, we don't have that time in Crystal, but they really brought in the feel of Usagi has had other battles since last time, and she's grown a bit as a soldier, even though she's still not... There's still a lot of things she doesn't know, but she's definitely made some progress where Ami's coming in raw. Okay, I think um, that covers the main plot points or beats of the show, so let's move into the um, lighter, fluffier things, which uh, I know you mentioned this, but ironically, they seem to not be as light and fluffy as I had originally thought, So, <laughs> but I think that's good. I think that's good. Um, so... Uh, you know, Luna has a secret sky base, uh, apparently. Uh, I love that this uh, celestial stair thing that they draw in here um, that she has that takes her up to, I don't know, a, a sky something. It's very strange, um, but it looks pretty cool because the setup that she's in looks pretty techy. But um, I'm, I'm okay with magic and science being combined, and I kind of think that's what we're going to get with this. Uh, yeah, I think her base is actually underground. The staircase seems to lead down to it. But yes, she's always had this base uh, in every incarnation. And I'm really curious as to why in Crystal they're hiding the location, because they've never done that before. Um, in the manga, they were very subtle about where it was, but you could see in the background uh, the location. Uh, but here we're going full-on secret base, which 
uh, makes me wonder if it's not where it's always been or if they've got some reason for hiding it. But the Moon Kingdom itself was always very high magic tech. Uh, and I know that comes up later in the manga a bit, uh, especially one very specific scene. So I'm hoping that we get to see more of that as we go into the deeper backstory uh, regarding the Moon Kingdom. Okay, well now I know uh <laughs> now I know what it's called apparently. Um hmm, Moon King I, I like that. Uh anyway, um Ami's hand in Usagi's face to see if she was still awake was funny. Uh was that an anime joke specifically? Uh no, that actually was a new joke for Crystal. Uh Usagi still had all of that inner dialogue about one want Ami wanting to wanting Ami to help her with tests so she could also get better grades. But they were just kind of sight gags and were generally laughed off. Uh, but I did think that it was kind of funny here that Ami was aware of it and kind of aware that Usagi wasn't quite paying attention to the conversation. Uh, I do yeah. want to move to uh, go ahead, go the ahead. arcade scene specifically uh, where Usagi takes Ami to the arcade to play the Sailor V game. Because this was done very differently this time around. Uh, originally, Ami is sort of casually enjoying playing Sailor V, just smiling, kind of going through the motions, and then gets very into it as she progresses. Um, and gets, shows a lot of determination in getting a high score, and then realizes the time and just kind of takes off. Whereas this time around, we see Ami play the full game. She plays all the way through Sailor V. And then she starts, when she starts it, she's approaching it kind of like a math problem, where she's analyzing it, uh, making very conscious decisions. And then we see her starting to come out of her shell as people are praising her, her skills for playing and starts to really enjoy it. And this is the first time Ami's ever played a video game. So she's likely been told maybe by her mother or by herself, since she put so much academic pressure on herself, that video, something like video games was a waste of her talents and her time. And now she's learning that it's not such a waste, and this is something she kind of enjoys. And then she wins, and Usagi just tosses herself onto Ami with all of this praise. And it's kind of the first friendly contact from a peer that Ami's ever had, and she, you see her startled by it and then realize that it's fine. She's a, she can have friends and take a break and play video games, and it's not going to ruin her chances to be a doctor if she lets herself have a life now and then. Yeah, I just, you articulated that so darn well. Uh, yeah, I absolutely loved, like I said before, just to see, to see the relationship between the two of them grow. And I felt that that was so strong. And you just, I could, I can't say it better than you. So thank you for that. That was good. Well, again, love Ami. And I feel that this episode, in doing it the way they did it, just did so right by her. Yeah, I mean, it definitely worked on me. Uh, even if I couldn't say all the reasons why. Okay, so the, uh, the pen, or pens, that drop from the Sailor V machine are, uh, interesting. I wonder if they portend something, or if they're just a symbol of, um, Mizunu's, um, or Ami's, uh, efficacy. Um, and I, I guess, you know, it becomes clear that, you know, one's the change 
thing for Usagi specifically, and one is the transformation device, I guess, for um, Ami. Um, but it, it made me think this, that maybe the incident with the pens, um, you know, aside from whatever function they actually have in the show, uh, delineate a, a distinction between the girls. Mizuno, Mizuno sorry, accomplished tasks through hard work and determination, which come easily to her. She's trained herself to do them uh, by reflex. And uh, as of now, Usagi uh, sort of whinily pushes herself through uh, to get the things that she wants. Yeah, I, that's definitely a thing. It's Ami. That that is a very good um, sort of moment that captures their characters, where Ami pushed through and sort of did this whole unfamiliar thing to earn her prize, and Usagi just kind of beat away at the machine until she got what she wanted. Um, the focus in Selman is never really on the items themselves. It's never really uh, collecting items to get powers. I've always actually thought it was pretty neat the way, uh, this is more of an emphasis in the manga than the first uh, anime, that it takes everyday objects and kind of gives them power. Uh, the pen itself is just a pen when it falls out of the Sailor V machine. Uh, Crystal's done a lot to uh, make sure that things that are connected to, directly connected to the structure of what's going on, give flashes of that knowledge, uh, such as when uh, Usagi and Ami's hands connected when Luna was handed over, gave her a flash of the old Moon Kingdom. But when Ami picks up that pen, there's nothing. There's no flash. It's just a pen. Uh, the mystery symbol yeah. isn't even on the pen, actually, when Ami first picks it up. Uh, I, I, I did notice that it kind of had the um, the circle with the four, like, little colored gems on it, kind of like um, Usagi's uh, brooch, yeah. or um, I'm not sure how to call it. Yes, uh, it, it does have those, which, I mean, obviously delineates the connection, but the, the pen itself doesn't doesn't seem to have any power. When it's, when Ami first gets it. Um, in, in the first anime, this is a little different. Luna was just kind of handing these things out like candy as they were needed. And I think that kind of takes away from the fact that the power is within the girls. Ami, Ami gave the power to the pen. The pen didn't give the power to Ami. It was, it's just an item for her to channel her power through. Uh, Okay, that's that's really cool to me because I was hoping that it wouldn't be like a common writer, you know, widget sort of thing where the thing is important, but it's I wanted to see it's the girls being these powerful witches or however you want to frame it's that. Not um, like that a, was it's the not like a henchin belt where anyone who this is put onto or whoever the first person it's put onto gets that power. It's Ami is Sailor Mercury. She is the one with that strength, and she's the one that put that power into the item that let her become Mercury. Very cool. Um, oh, one of the things I've enjoyed about the show is that it doesn't have a problem having fun, and the 
I don't know, cute little moments like uh, the moon power change uh, are so cool. Um, Henry kind of made me think back to Wizard and the dress-up ring and how I felt that, that was really underutilized, but it was so cool to see, uh, you know, Luna drop that line or that hint to Sagi and for her to, you know, change herself into a doctor and, you know, run into the building and uh, just, it was a lot of fun, I think. Yeah, moon power change is, is actually really neat. I forget how long it goes on in the manga. I didn't get a chance to flip through later chapters and see. Uh, I know she uses it again in Mars. I can't remember uh, how long past that it goes on. But it's utilized a lot in the first series. Uh, again, because we have a full seven episodes of Usagi fighting on her own. And she goes through a lot of really neat costumes that actually uh, deviate pretty heavily from her original character design. Like, uh, her using it in Crystal, her hair is still the same. She's just got this doctor's outfit. Uh, having rewatched Ami's introduction in the first series, Usagi's hair is completely different. Uh, she's taller, I believe. Uh, her body type is slightly different. The, the first series went full out with these disguises. I think her hair color even changes in some of them uh, the first time. So definitely, if you like that power, definitely go give the first series a shot and see how they use it, because it's a lot of fun. Yeah, and that makes sense that it would change more than just the clothes, and she would look a little different. But that's that's very cool. Um, and I heard that they're doing a... Uh, not only have they been re-releasing the uh, anime on Hulu and I think Crunchyroll and other places, but I guess uh, Funimation is doing a new dub. They are. Um, so. I never thought I would live to see the day that we would see the last season of Sailor Moon dubbed. So I'm really excited for this new dub. Um, I've heard some of the voices, and they sound pretty good. Usagi's is spot on. It's perfect. It's so cute, and she has so much fun. Uh, I've heard Jupiter's voice actress is a huge fan of Jupiter, so I I haven't heard the voice, but I imagine she's going to bring a lot of love to it. Uh, I've heard Luna, and I'm not 100% on board with her. I think uh, she doesn't full angry Luna. She doesn't go quite far enough, but maybe with time uh, she'll kind of get the hang of it and uh, bring a little more to it. But I think... Uh, what Funimation's doing with the dub, they're bringing kind of a lot of love into it, and they're going to, I expect them to do a really good job. That's great. I'm so glad to hear that. Okay, so then my final frilly question here is, or, yeah, my fr final frilly point is a question, and is it's this. Is Sailor V somehow a big player here? Because it sure seems like Sailor it. V is a huge player. Uh, she's a very big player in this story. I don't want to spoil how, but I promise that this whole Sailor V storyline is going to come full circle. And uh, I actually went and I read uh, kind of your blog posts and kind of your concerns about Sailor V, and I just want to tell you, you don't need to be worried. <laughs> Good. And I, I, thank you for being respectful about that, because a lot of people like to say, ah, you're, you worry too much. Well, I worry because I care. Yeah, no, I, um, but that's great the, to know. With you being unfamiliar to who Sailor V is, why you would be worried. But I can promise you, you don't need to be. It's going to come full circle. Uh, and uh, once you've hit the point in the story where you know who Sailor V is, definitely go back and read the Sailor V manga. Uh, there's a very... Naoko did a whole side manga for the backstory for Sailor V. 
So once you've had all that revealed, definitely go back in and uh, kind of get the extra information. Cool. <laughs> all right, so uh, I believe you have a lot more to say, and we have a little bit, um, about ten minutes more of time to finish up, so I'll let you go ahead and say what you need okay, to say. Okay, I, I have so much to say because I really love this episode and what it did and how it handled Ami. Because so much of this episode is very directly about Ami and her coming out of her shell. And the fight, the actual battle in this episode with Sailor Mercury really, really drives that home. Ami gets so deep into studying that she's literally brainwashed and loses the concept of a social life completely. Like I said, Usagi asks her to go out for ice cream with Naru and her other friends, and we can see that Ami really wants to, again, until that brainwashing kicks back in. She can't go have fun. She has to study. And it's hard not to take that as social commentary, and it's social commentary that holds up over 20 years, and I think is even more important now than it might have been then. And that may be why uh, they changed it to, instead of Ami resisting the brainwashing from studying her own way, being kind of pulled full force into it and then needing to break out. Because even under the brainwashing, Usagi ha- or Ami has developed this very intense tie to Usagi. Usagi is the first friend that we've ever known Ami to have. And even brainwashed, the first thing she thinks of when suddenly the pen is ripped away from her is Usagi calling her Ami-chan. And that's the first time someone her own age has referred to her in such a friendly way. Usually she's used to people calling her by her family name uh, with more respectful honorifics instead of something kind of so friendly and intimate. And she's instantly, without even questioning, without asking, Usagi gives her permission to refer to her in just as friendly a way. They're friends now. And when the pen is thrown away, Ami instantly goes after it without thinking of anything. Studying has gone out the window, even though she's still brainwashed. Because that pen is important to her, not as a link to Mercury, again, because I don't think at that point the pen itself has any magic. The pen is her link to Usagi. It's a symbol of her friend and of that moment when she made the first friend she's ever have. had. Excuse me. And then Usagi bursts in as Sailor Moon and insists, I'm going to protect my friend from you. And Ami parrots the word friend. She parrots Tomodachi and... Like, that really was a was a kick to the gut for me, because it drove home how unfamiliar the concept of friendship is to Ami. She says it like she hardly even knows what the word is. And it's then Usagi's suddenly in this position where she can't fight, and it's Ami's desire to protect this first friend she's ever made that gives the magic to the pen and awakens Mercury. Um, the end of the episode, it's Ami that takes Usagi by the hand and pulls her forward, saying, we're going to go have a meeting. I want to learn all about you and about this mission and about what we're doing. And I feel it's Ami throwing herself headfirst into that friendship and, and the experience of it and wanting to have it 
And I think this is all a really beautiful way to handle Ami, and I'm so pleased that this episode took that route in comparison to the first series and the manga, where Ami was never, again, Ami was never brainwashed because she wanted to study her own way and gain knowledge through her own, kind of her own efforts instead of letting it be done by a machine, I think is the exact words she used. And, uh, Mercury Awakening was sort of a self-preservation thing instead of a desire to protect. And I can't help but like the way Crystal did it more because the relationships between the the girls is really what makes Sailor Moon as strong as it is. And taking this route, Crystal put a really special emphasis on that that I don't think we've had before. Wow. Yeah, Um. the way that you... Uh you know, present both ways that it was done, I can see Crystal having a lot more heart in it, and it's not necessarily that uh, Takeuchi didn't have that heart, but, because uh, I, I believe that she probably did, or else, uh, like, she wouldn't still be working on this property, you know, 20 years later. Um, but uh, it just, maybe she figured out afterwards, oh, this is a much better route to go. And uh, I think that's really cool that the changes were made, and that it was... Um, Probably a bold uh, stance for them to make to do the change because uh, you risk fan outrage, which is unreasonable, I believe, um, but it's still something that's true. Uh, so that's really uh, that's really neat. Yeah, like again, Naoko has a big hand in Crystal, and I think maybe this time around she just wanted to send it. She and the staff working on Crystal wanted to send a different message. Because, again, Ami's whole point was she wanted to study without on her own without machines. And this was really at the point where computers were starting to become prominent and could be used for that th- sort of thing. And I think at that point, maybe the message was you can, you can get by on your own strengths in, and you don't need uh, things doing it for you. Where at this point, it's, computers are such an integral part of our lives and the way the way that we study and get information that that would be such a dated message to give. So I think maybe they just decided this was a better message to send this time around. Yeah, I, you, you raise a very good point about why the change in the message uh, was made. Um, you know, possibly, uh, and that that's that's good. That's good. Uh, Sorry, uh, listeners, if I sound kind of incoherent and everything. It's just Sono, um, like, says these things, and I'm really impressed and shocked by how insightful they are, and it's hard for me to respond in, like, a really smart way. So, uh, I apologize, Again, but that's good. The vast majority of my life, besides Sailor Moon, and looking at it, and kind of delving into this, and also, uh, my degree, my college degree is in uh, cartooning, and a lot of that was in developing story structure and being able to kind of break all of this down. So things like this are kind of second nature to me. Yeah, and I'm, I really appreciate it. <laughs> um, I don't know if there's anything left to say. I'm kind of thinking there's not, so uh, we should probably bring this episode to a close. Is there any last word you want to put out there to the listeners? No, I think we've really covered uh, everything that needs to be said with episode two. I guess all that's left to say is I'm looking forward to episode three and uh, the introduction of Hino Ray, Sailor Mars, and 
what new things we may see in this incarnation of her introduction to us. All right. Well, thank you for listening, everybody. Yeah, uh, thank you so much. Uh, really glad to be able to bring this to all of you. Okay. If you'd like to comment on our thoughts or ask any questions, our inbox is trialofheroes at gmail.com, or we can be reached individually. You can reach me on Twitter at SonoYourFace. And me at, uh, at Trial of Heroes on Twitter. We hope you enjoyed the show and thank you for listening. This has been Moonspeak, bi-monthly discussion and review of Sailor Moon Crystal. Visit trialofheroes.wordpress.com to see text reviews every Monday, uh, or Tuesday morning sometime, um, after Crystal airs and hear, uh, new Moonspeak the Monday after that. Moonspeak is part of the Toe Network where you can find articles and commentary on pop culture and genre fandom, including our flagship show, Uncommon Cast RX. This has been Moonspeak, bi-monthly discussion and review of Sailor Moon Crystal. Visit trialofheroes.wordpress.com to see text reviews every Monday after Crystal airs and hear new Moonspeak the Monday after that. Moonspeak is part of the Toe Network, where you can find articles and commentary on pop culture and genre fandom, including our flagship show, Uncommon Cast RX. The opening and closing is a piano arrangement of the uh, new Sailor Moon Crystal song, Moon Pride, played by Josh Agarado, whose work you can find at josh.agarado.net, and also on YouTube. There's a lot of cool work there, so go ahead and check it out if you like this song, which I definitely did. And so did Sona. She introduced it to me.